Hey everyone, welcome again. Uh, so grateful for technology that allows us to meet this way. So thankful for all of you joining us this morning. Um, it's a blessing to be together. Um, even this way, it's a chance for us to not only connect with God, but hopefully connect our hearts to each other. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. I'll be reading the first 14 verses of Matthew 12. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about Sabbath. I want to talk about Sabbath in the season of panic. Uh, last week, when we talked about you know panic, we said that panic is a natural reaction. Uh, it's fear, it's anxiety, it's the unknown. Um, and then we compared it to our, our current coronavirus panic, and we said, well, people of God have had panic before, and they've come through a lot worse. So we looked at Israel for a little bit, and if you remember, this is Israel who had lost their kingdoms. You know, you had united Israel, and then they lost it. So you then you had Judah and the northern kingdom, and then they both lost that to the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And along with that came a loss of identity, a loss of land, and really you would say a loss of relationship with God. Because up to that point, the land was their inheritance. And because of their sin, because of their turning their backs on God, they lost that relationship for that time. But what's fascinating is in all these stories of even loss, God gifts his people hope. He sends prophets like Jeremiah, like Micah, like Isaiah. And even though he would predict what would happen, there was always hope. And I think even as we think about our panic that we're in right now, I believe that this could be a chance for God to be calling us back to him. I believe this could be a chance for God to say, I have hope for you and I would like to give you hope. And I think a little bit of that hope can come through Sabbath and how we understand Sabbath. Now, in the last few weeks, you know, for most of us, we've learned words like quarantine on a different level, isolation, uh, for some of us, um, distancing. These are becoming words that are very, very, you know, these are becoming words that are very, very much in our vocabulary. Um, the other thing, though, is as we thought about it, as we settled down a little bit, we've lost our routine and had to discover new ones. We've, some of us have lost our peace. Some of us have lost control. Some of us have realized that we never had control. Um, but I think all of us have lost a certain sense of certainty, of knowing what's next, of knowing how long this will last. So in all of this, I guess my first question for us this morning is, where is our hope? In all of this, some of you might even be asking, where is our God? And I think understanding of Sabbath will help us answer both of those questions. So if you have your Bible again, I'll be reading Matthew 12, verses 1 to 14, starting at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. 
Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched out, he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you for the eyes to see another day or just the chance to, to feel alive. God, we thank you for the truth that we can rest in you. God, no matter what's going on in the world, we thank you that we can cast our burdens upon you. God, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that lives in all of us who believe in you. We thank you for the gift of each other. And we pray that even now more than ever, we can truly be the body of Christ and members of one another. Lord, help us to find Sabbath, even in this panic. Lord, help us to find hope, especially in you. Lord, help us to rest in you. Amen? So, one of the things that's very fascinating is we have to actually talk about what Sabbath is before we jump into Jesus' story. Um, Sabbath was created by God, and I think this is one of the most important things in all of Scripture. God is the one who has no need. One of the things that makes him God is he's not lacking anything. Yet after he creates everything, speaks the world into existence, he rested. And I think that's fascinating because he is not only modeling for us that rest is important, but he's giving us a pattern to say that this is how you keep working. This is how you have life sustaining. So Sabbath then for us is a gift from God. It's a blessing to and for us. And in God's example, we see that it's important to rest. But we also see that it's important to reflect. So God stops after creating for six days, and on that seventh day he rested, and he reflected on everything, and he says, wow, it was good. And Sabbath also then is a celebration of where we are, of what we're doing. But I think as you look through the Old Testament and through the New, we also learn that Sabbath is a chance to worship. And what is worship but connecting with God? So what is Sabbath? Sabbath is a command from God. Sabbath is something modeled by God, and Sabbath is something gifted to us to show us how to live. Now, that's what Sabbath was created to be. But what did Sabbath become? It was supposed to be holy, supposed to be a day that was set apart. Yet over time, this gift that was given by God becomes a curse. This gift of rest becomes work. It becomes a burden. In fact, if you look through the Old Testament scriptures, and I think all of scripture, there's only really two rules that we can pick out and say were against that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. The first one, which I think most of us are safe on this one, was you can't collect sticks to build a fire in your house. If you have a fireplace, I'm sorry. Um, the second one, though, actually shows up Years later, when Nehemiah, after they rebuilt the walls, you know, of Jerusalem, there were merchants trying to sneak in on the Sabbath day and, and to set up shop. And Nehemiah says, no, 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 you are not allowed to do this. And then they tried hiding outside the walls. And he says, no, I will put guards there because I don't want you coming in. So in all of scripture, Sabbath is make it holy. But the only two rules was don't collect sticks and build fire. And if you're a merchant, don't bring it in. But what happens after 400 years? We start redefining what holiness means. We start thinking about what is work. We start making it our job to define what work is. And, and the, the early followers of God um, created a book called the Mishnah. What the Mishnah was was 400 years of tradition of answering this question of what is work? What is work on the Sabbath? What does that look like? 
And then I think a lot of times when we read some of these stories, we look at these Pharisees, and, and it's so much easier to feel better about ourselves because we're Christians, we're not Pharisees, right? And then what we forget is that this was a very vague law. All they had was keep it holy and remember me. And these weren't people who were trying to be legalistic. They were trying to be faithful to God. So in defining this, they not only made a series of laws, they memorized them. They not only memorized them, they passed them down to their children. They not only passed them down to their children, but the ultimate goal was we have a vague law, keep it holy, right? But we want clarity to help us live because we don't want to do anything intentionally or unintentionally that's going to, not, uh, that's going to dishonor our God. And I think if you have that view of where the Pharisees are coming from, you can probably afford them a little bit more grace. Now, it doesn't mean they're not legalistic, just like it doesn't mean that sometimes we can't get legalistic. But you have to understand where they're coming from. To them, this was a vague law. To them, we want to honor God. We will try our best to honor God. And then comes Jesus. And what's fascinating about Jesus is he's going to not just challenge the laws that they've added on to God's law. He's going to challenge their very definition of faith, their very definition of God, their very definition of authority. Jesus attacks not Sabbath because God still believes in Sabbath. God created Sabbath as a gift. But Jesus attacks what Sabbath had become. Sabbath was law from God for his people. And another thing that we do now is when we look at the laws of the Old Testament, we see them as such a burden. And even the people who followed God early, they, they said it was a yoke that they had to put on. But the essence of God's law was love. This is a God who made it a law that you would put tassels on your clothes so that every morning when you woke up, you knew that you were a child of God, that you were a princess to the Father who is God, that you were a son who's a prince to the Father who's God. Because in that culture, only royalty wore tassels. The law of God, the essence of the law, was to protect his people, yes, but to show them he loved them. And when Jesus' disciples, the last time we see his disciples, Jesus has sent them out. And when our story begins in Matthew 12, they're walking through the grain fields and they're hungry. I don't know if you've ever been in a grain field, but I want you to imagine with me for a second how hungry you have to be to walk up to a grain field and graze a little bit and eat off of the field. What we forget about this story is they're not just trying to desecrate the Sabbath, but these are hungry disciples who have been out working for the kingdom, and the law actually provided them provision, right, to eat. The law said that if you were poor, you're allowed to eat that you're allowed to graze the fields. Now, some people can get technical and say, well, are they attacking them because it was on the Sabbath? Or the law said you can graze, but it has to be after the harvest. We don't know that. All I think we know for sure is they were hungry, and they were eating, and they were poor. And welcome back. Our camera needed to take a little break, but now we're back. So welcome. Um, so one of the things that's fascinating now is that Jesus after describing how, you know, after, you know, setting the stage of God's law is love, setting the stage that you have to remember that our law makes provisions for poor to eat, Jesus then uses what they know against them. I love when God does that, actually. So he takes their, their arguments that these Pharisees were schooled in and uses two really good ones. The first one is he reminds them of David. And to this day, David is a revered
revered figure in every Jewish household, I would say. David is the greatest king they ever had. And Jesus purposely chooses David. And he says, you remember, though, when David was a vagabond, when David was an outlaw, when David was an enemy of the state on the run from Saul, remember he was hungry. And remember he goes to, to the tent and he meets with the priest and there's nothing to eat except the bread that was set apart for God and the priest. And yet God thought it was okay that David ate the bread. And then Jesus slips in a verse from Hosea that's really, really interesting. After all of this and then talking about how are we valuing the laws that we made up or the actual law of God, he slips in this verse from Hosea and he says, remember what God has taught us. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And mercy, you have to remember, is this Old Testament concept of hesed. The New Testament, pick it up and we call it agape. But the heart of it was, remember, I desire that you love the way I love as your God more than the rules that you can come up with. I desire mercy. I desire agape. I desire hesed more than any sacrifice you can come up with. And then the scene shifts. As Jesus is leaving, Jesus now had told them, remember hesed. I decided hesed and mercy over sacrifice. And now we get a chance for Jesus to show it to them. Now, this scene is very, very interesting. A lot of times when we read this, we separate, you know, the, the disciples eating on the Sabbath. And we separate the man with the withered hand. But what's fascinating is as the story continues, the text actually says Jesus goes into their synagogue, which I find very fascinating. What do we mean by their synagogue? Jesus preached in synagogues. Why is this significant that it's their synagogue? It leads some commenters to say that perhaps the Pharisees were continuing their test of Jesus, and perhaps they actually planted the man with the withered hand. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do find it fascinating that right after this discussion, as Jesus is walking out, there happens to be a man with a withered hand. And then the question becomes, is it lawful for us to heal on the Sabbath? And then Jesus goes to, again, not just logic, not just familiarity, but an argument the Pharisees would have been trained in, and an argument that when he's done with them, all of them would actually be agreeing with them. And Jesus says, listen, some of us in this room are shepherds. Some of us have done shepherding, but all of us know at least one shepherd. And what we know about shepherds is their job is to save the sheep. And one of the ways they save the sheep is they actually dig out pits for when the wild animals come, that the animals will be trapped and fall in the pit so that the sheep can be safe. And Jesus says, how many of you, wait, no, all of you, if one of your sheep were to fall into the pit, you would go down and pick up that sheep and rescue that sheep. And he says, how much more is a person than a sheep? And I don't think Peter would like Jesus very much, but it's true. People are worth more than animals. I'm sorry, people. How much more is a person than sheep? And what Jesus is trying to show here is that it is always right to love as God loves. It's always right to use your gifts to heal, to help, even and especially if it's on the Sabbath. It's always right to love as God loves. So what's our lesson in all of this? I think that all of us are still in a season of panic. I think that all of us don't know when this will end. All of us are going through different emotions, and that's just what we did today or this morning. All of us are trying to make sense of it all. But my only plea for us this morning is perhaps in this season we could change our mindset 
and start making this season an intentional Sabbath. And how are we going to do that? Perhaps we can start by asking, how can I use this time to connect with God? And for some of us, if we're honest, it's a reconnection that we need because we haven't paid attention much to our relationship with God. For others of us, we might be doing great. But maybe it's time to go into an even deeper level. But I think for all of us in this season, we need to be asking ourselves, how can we go deeper with God? Sabbath was created to be worship, to reconnect with God, to rest, to learn, to serve, and to create. So my second question for us this morning is, how is God calling you to Sabbath now? What is the worship that God wants from your heart? What is the level of relationship or how deep does God want you to go with him? How can you worship and reconnect with God? And then there's some of us who maybe this time, it's time that we reconnect with an old friend, reconnect with that family member, that relationship that we've allowed to deteriorate. Or maybe if we didn't allow it to deteriorate, we just kind of forgot about it and forgot about it and forgot about it. Well, now you got time. Maybe it's time to reconnect in a deeper way. And I think for all of us, especially some of us, we have to learn how to rest. How do you rest? And I don't just mean physically. Hopefully you're getting good sleep. But how do you rest your heart? How do you rest your mind? For some of us, our hearts and minds are always going, 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 going. How do we use this season to rest our heart and to rest in the arms of our Father God? And here's a fun one. I think the last three are the most fun for me. What is it that you can learn in the season? My dream for the church, I got many dreams. One of the most ones I want to share right now is I wish everyone could learn how to make something delicious and then just drop it off outside my door. Knock first. I won't let you in, but I'll take the food. But I wish everyone could make something delicious. But maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's a new language. Maybe it's a project that you've been working on or something that you've dreamed about that you haven't had time to do. Maybe it's the time to take, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour if you've got it to actually learn something new. And I think for all of us, how can we serve? Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Because he wanted to show that it's always right to show God's love. And one of the things we have to remind ourselves is that our gifts are not being quarantined. If you're an encourager, what's a creative way you can encourage the people in your circle? If you're a prayer warrior, who are the people you can set apart time to pray for? If you're somebody who just has the love of God pouring through you, how can you reach out to someone who perhaps isn't feeling that love of God? Whatever gift God has given you, he's called you to use it. How can you use this in the season? And I think the one I'm most excited about is because it invites imagination. How can we use this season to create? And it might be for some of us something new. It might be for some of us an old project again. But I think for all of us, what if we can set apart time in this season to actually create something that we've been dreaming about? Now, for some of us, it might be art. For some of us, it could be music. For some of us, it might be um, food. Yes, please. All right. But I think all of us have some kind of creativity that God's kissed us with and blessed us with. What can you do with that creativity that you've been meaning to do? Or maybe you haven't had time to dream. Just dream something and then work on it. And I think the last thing about Sabbath is we have to hold on to this. And I'm not one of those people who say, God sent Corona to bring us back. Maybe he did, but I don't know. He didn't tell me that yet, you know. 
But I think God has made Sabbath for all of us. And I'm reminded by Psalm 23. After David, who was a shepherd, has this eureka moment. Oh my gosh, I think I care for my sheep, but my goodness, God cares for me. God so loves me, I will not lack anything. And then when he's thinking about what it means that God is his shepherd, He remembers that God leads him to green pastures. He remembers that God leads him to quiet waters. He remembers that God refreshes his soul. And that's where I want to end. And that's my prayer, that in this season, we may find green pastures led by the Holy Spirit. That in this season, the Father may lead us to quiet waters. In this season, Jesus himself will refresh our soul. God bless you. Abide in you, Lord, hide in you, Lord, rest in you, Lord, rest in you. Teach us to wait on you, draw strength from you, Lord, rest in you, Lord, rest in you we will abide in you lord hide in you lord rest in you lord rest in you teach us to wait on you draw strength from you lord rest in you You, Lord, rest in you, Lord.
thank you for being with us for another week. Um, we wanted to first welcome those who have made this the first time or maybe maybe the second time you came to visit on our YouTube site and we want to welcome you and let you know that you can find our link at the hbic.church. Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, that's where to find our information for our church. Um, the link is posted on our website, on the church's YouTube page. On Wednesday night, we're going to offer again um, to connect by Zoom. And if you're not getting that email, please call the church so we can update our email um, contact for you. We will be using our um, Harrisburg BIC website for updates as well as sending out emails. Be sure to let us know of anyone you know that doesn't have access um, to these ways of communication. We want to make sure we connect with those um, who can't get that. Um, also, we wanted to take this time to remember to connect. Um, in this time of isolation and separation, please remember um, our cause to be the body of Christ. And we want to invite you to please find ways to um, show the love of Christ even through this time. Um, I would like to think of it not so much as social distancing, but as physical distancing. Um, we did a lot of service this week together in the same spot, but still was able to serve the community. And I learned a lot through that. So I wanna encourage you to go ahead and um, show the love of Christ through physical distancing. Um, and don't forget that this week's notes were sent to you by email. So if you wanted to follow along or if you want to reflect or study more or just go through the notes um, without having to come to the YouTube site that is in your inbox. So look for that. Um, and if you wanted to watch it again and go through it with the notes side by side, that's always helpful for me. Otherwise than that, we'll see you next week. Father of kindness, Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. And giver of mercy, you're my heart inside of me. Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful you are, faithful forever you will be, faithful you are, and all your promises are yesterday, man. of all your promises are yesterday. Beautiful Savior, beautiful Savior, you have poured out grace. Pull me from the ashes, you have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free. Lord, I can't help but sing faithful, faithful. You are faithful forever, you will be faithful. You are, and all your promises yesterday, man. Of all your promises yesterday.
I will rest. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest and I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Faithful, faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises, all your promises are yes and amen. Sing faithful you are, faithful you are, and faithful forever you will be, faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. Well, all your promises are yes and amen. Well, all your promises are yes and amen. Uh, one of God's faithful or most famous most faithful promises to us is uh, the promise of love. So in that vein, I'd like to congratulate Pastor Esty, who got married yesterday. Um, and then is here filming this morning at 8 a.m., so that's pretty awesome. Um, let's just pray together. Our Father and God, we thank you so much that you're indeed faithful. We thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit, the blessing of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that even in the midst of everything that's going on, we can find our rest in you. God, we thank you that we have a faithful Father. We thank you that we have a loving Savior. We thank you that we have a transforming Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, in this season, help us to learn how to reconnect on a deeper level with you. Help us to build and rebuild friendships. Help us to learn and create and, and do things that are just pleasing and honoring to you. God, help us to remember that our gifts are still gifts to be shared with the world. And help us to know that in all things, we can give thanks to you and honor you by how we live. Lord, help us to rest in you. Help us to rest in you. Help us to always rest in you. In your holy and precious name, amen. God bless you all.